Fourth and goal. Okay. And they're going to snap it, and it's Trey Burton who throws caught. Foles, touchdown. Hey, welcome to the United Youth Podcast. My name is Pastor Nate Ritchie, and I am joined by a very special guest, uh, Super Bowl winning tight end Trey Burton. How you doing, Trey? I'm doing well, my brother. How are you? Great, man. Thank you so much for taking your time out of your week to, to invest some knowledge uh, into our youth. Uh, man, it, it means a lot to us. I know that. Of course, bro. I'm, whatever yeah. you need, I'm here for you. You know that. Thanks, man. Um, hey, so um, obviously I know who you are. I'm a big football fan, followed uh, you throughout your career. I'm a Colts fan. You played for the Colts for a little bit. Um, and so, uh, but there's a chance that, you know, even if people do know who you are when it comes to, um, you know, showing up on their TV on, on, on Sundays, they might not know the full version, the full story of who Trey Burton is. And so I just want to give um, you the opportunity to just uh, share I mean, your testimony, your story, even your football journey um, so that it gives us a picture into who Trey Burton is. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you the quick version of it. There's a lot that goes into that, but I'm from um, a city called Nokomis, Florida. Um, no one knows where that is. So I tell them Sarasota, Florida. Usually people know where Sarasota is, you know, beaches, um, old people, um, all of the above. So uh, Sarasota, Florida, then go south of Sarasota is Venice, or I guess really Nokomis, and then it's Venice. So I went to Venice High School down there. It's probably an hour, hour 15, you know, from where we are here in Tampa. Um, grew up with two younger brothers um, uh, and just my mom. My dad left when I was really young. I think when I was like two or three weeks old is the story that I was told. So um, we, we, we bounced around from, you know, Nokomis, Venice, uh, Bradenton, you know, those areas um, a couple times with uh, just my, my brothers and my mom. But uh, yeah, so grew up down there, really quiet beach town, not much going on. I think uh, Venice is tied or maybe they might have beaten Naples with the um, average age of residents that live there. And I want to say it was like 64 years old. So everything was done at, you know, 930 at night. It wasn't much, you know, action or anything like that going on. Every restaurant and uh, store and that type of stuff were, were out, out of business at, at nighttime. And also one cool fact about Nokomis is all the gas stations, um, even like Publix has signs on the front windows when I was growing up, no shoes, no shirt, Nokomis. And so I literally grew up with no shirt, like literally going to public, no shirt on, no shoes on, barefoot. And it didn't really haunt me until I got to college. And I was walking in the college hallways of the, of the, of the locker room. And my coach was like, bro, you're going to get staffed, man. You got to put at least some flip-flops on or something like that. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was basically where we grew up, our upbringing. Um, really cool, quiet beach town, nothing crazy. Um, like I said, two, young, two younger brothers, um, a single, single parent mom or a single parent home. And uh, I was really fortunate you know, going into the testimony of things. Like I was really fortunate that uh, I felt like from a really young age, God had marked my brothers and I. Um, mm -hmm. I know we're talking about me, you know, specifically. So God marked yeah. me specifically in a sense, uh, in the sense of like, there was always some, you know, Christian father figure, some man mm -hmm. in my life, you know, growing up that I could lean on and lean into. Um, yeah. My mom would always make sure you know, uh, we would go to church. My grandparents served in church for their whole entire life. Um, like my grandfather would go door to door on, with a school bus and pick kids up to take them to Sunday school. My grandma would always play the piano on Sundays. So we grew up, you know, um, in the church world. I, I ended up going to a Christian school from preschool all the way up to fifth grade. So I mean, we were around um, the yeah. church and the word a lot, which was really cool. 
um, actually committed my life to Christ when I was in kindergarten. Miss Karecki was my teacher. And I remember her saying like, you know, does anybody want to uh, pray to accept Jesus into the heart? And everybody's heads down, you know, on the table and just put your hand up. And I remember I put my hand up and uh, she took me out to like the courtyard and we prayed and I accepted Christ, you know, from a really early wow. age. But uh, like with my story, I'm sure, I mean, a lot of people have very similar stories. Like I didn't really start walking with the Lord um, until I got to college. And like, until it like became something that I had to choose on my own, you know, um, like I said, my grandfather was a really big father figure. Um, I had a guy in high school, his name was Rodney Ring. He was the head of um, uh, Athletes in Action or Fellowship of Christian Athlete, Athletes. I forgot which one. Yeah, I think he actually still runs the whole Tampa to Naples area. He's like the director of it. Um, he did an awesome job. But him and I would go every Wednesday um, during the school year and he would take me to breakfast right outside of the diner, right outside of the high school. And he would sew into me about like, what does it mean to be a believer? Um, how do you, you know, walk out this life? What are you supposed to believe? What are you supposed to do? Those type of things. Um, so I was really fortunate to have a guy like him. And uh, that was after my grandpa died. So I had my grandpa and then I had Rodney and then I get to college and, you know, I had to start making my own decisions. I can't, no one's forcing me to go to church. You know, no one's forcing you to go to the Bible study. No one's forcing you to read the word, you know, that you don't know anybody, you know, up there. So it's kind of like a free for all and, um, and all that. And so, um, yeah, I, I got involved with Athletes in Action up there um, for a little bit. I was kind of like one foot living the college life and one foot trying to, you know, stay connected to the Lord, you know, through Bible studies and that type of stuff. And so I um, was walking the line for a while. And then my junior year in college, I uh, um, I had I had a girlfriend for probably like two years. And my mm-hmm. junior year in college, I go to my girlfriend's house like one afternoon and she like, She's bawling, crying. And I'm like, what the heck happened? Like, you know, we're not fighting and not everything should be good. And she hands me a pregnancy test. She oh, says, wow. I'm pregnant. And I was like, oh, shoot. You know, well, what, what's in, what are we going to do now? And I already knew, like, we had already been taking the steps to, um, uh, we weren't doing marriage counseling yet. But we were already taking the steps to get married early on. I knew I won't, we wanted to have kids early. We knew we wanted to get married. We knew, like, that was, that was my wife and I was going to be her husband. And so, um, not that that makes it any better, but, uh, that's yeah. that's that's the situation we were in at the time. And I remember like she she's crying, she's you know handing this to me, and I can only imagine all the thoughts that are going through her mind. I mean, because I had a ton of thoughts and emotions going you know through my mind, and um, you know for we we're probably sitting there for like 10, 15 minutes, and I look at it, and I'm like, hey, listen, this isn't the way that the Lord intended it to be, but what mm-hmm. can we do now? You know, how can we make this work where we're at now? And so we basically, basically both just got on our knees, um, we committed ourselves in our relationship to the Lord, you know, again, at that time together, um, a couple months later, we ended up both getting baptized. Um, and then, you know, we were kind of, I mean, I don't want to say smooth sailing, but we were kind of rocking and rolling, you know, from then on out. So that's kind of my like early years testimony. No. Yeah. And I want to lean in there for a second. Cause I think you said a, a few just key things that our students can, um, learn from, um, one, I love that you talk about how, you know, you weren't necessarily following down the path that God had for you until you really got to college, um, uh, later on in college. Um, but you can look back and you can see the people that planted seeds in your life. Um, and you can see like God's faithfulness, even when you weren't following after what he had for you, you could see God's faithfulness on your your life and you look back and you can say, man, this person, my kindergarten teacher had such an impact on me. Um, somebody who leads an FCA had such an impact on me. And so it's like, it, you look back and you're like, man, even when we're not faithful, God is, and he's yeah. got such a phenomenal plan, um, for all of our students' lives and in your life as well. Um, and then you talk about how, you know, 
you're you're dating your girlfriend and you guys get pregnant and you make the you make the statement and you're like yeah you know what that's not how God intended it to be um, but man what are we gonna do now and I think that just speaks to God's redemptive love on our life um, and goes back to the fact that man even when we're not faithful God is and so it's like God can take something that might not have been um, you know, us following after his plan and redeem it for good. And that's just who God is. He's a miracle worker. And so, uh, man, I think your story is super powerful. And uh, for a lot of students that, yeah, aren't even aren't, aren't growing up um, with their dad in their life, um, I think they can look up to you and see somebody who's like, man, you still had, um, you know, Christian male father figures in your life that were investing into into your life. And I, I would say for students that are listening that, you know, might not have that figure, then um and there's there's men out there that are that are available that want to invest into you. And um man, you'd have a perfect heavenly father who can who can set that that relationship and show you what that looks like. Um but jumping in back into your in your story. So you play you play ball at UF. Um and you came after um, you, you, your years were right after Tim Tebow's years, right? Yeah, when Tebow and all those guys left and oh, they played their last game in '09, uh, I think it was like like maybe December 30th, '09. I was on campus to like the second of January, so I graduated high school early to go up to college. Um, wow. And so they they were all gone, and I was all I was coming in that time. That's wild. So what was the like? What was the swamp like playing in the swamp? You know, after those years, obviously the, the very successful years when when Tebow uh, led those years. There's nothing like the swamp. You know, at, at any level of football, and I played in every professional football stadium um, except for the Rams, the new new Rams and Chargers one. And so I can say that, that there's literally nothing anywhere close to it. I remember my first time walking into the swamp. Uh, it was for a quarterback camp, maybe my junior, sophomore or junior year of, of high school. And it was like a summer camp. So I was going there for the whole entire week. And I remember walking into the swamp and walking on the grass. And I immediately called my mom. And I was like, I can't do this. I, <laughs> I, there's no way I can do this. It's too like grand. You know, I'm, I might even have been in tears. You know, I, I don't remember exactly. But I remember calling her like, this is not possible. It's just too crazy, you know. But it's funny to see, you know, four, five, six years later, that you know, that's where I you know, played four years uh, college football and played well. I mean, well, like, fun. I'm sorry for not being a Florida Gator fan. I'll start with that. It's okay. Um, but after scheduling this, I was like, I'm gonna go see like how how he did in college, and I was like, oh wow, he was he was a very successful college football player. We, and, we had a couple good years for sure. I, I, it hurt me when Urban left. Uh, Urban left after my freshman year. He recruited me, and then he left and. Um, to go to Ohio State, or he took like a leave of absence or whatever, and then Muschamp came in. And like, what a lot of people don't realize is that when a new guy comes in, he is not responsible for the old guys. You know, like he wants to get his own dudes in there because if he's going to fall on the sword, he's going to fall on the sword for his dude instead of somebody else's guy. So it's a really hard transition, you know, from that standpoint to like, like go into this and meet this head coach who is your head coach, and you know that he didn't recruit you, nor would he have recruited you. You know, it's so like. How do you make it work? It's just, it's kind of weird, you know, from that standpoint. Absolutely. Um, speaking of Tim Tebow, so I, um, when I was in high school and even early college years, um, people would all the time tell me, hey, you, you know, you, you kind of look like Tim Tebow to me. And you think, you, you think that's a compliment, but it, they always followed it up by saying, hey, you look like Tim Tebow. Well, at least your face does. At, at least, 
as if you need to specify what part of me might actually look like Tim Tebow. <laughs> you know, it's unfortunately not my biceps, but every time I'm like, oh, thank you. Actually, no, not thank you. That's an insult. Um, but I just thought I had to share had to share that with you. But, um, you know, you played uh, college football, Division One, Florida Gators, um, and then you got drafted, correct, in, in, in the NFL draft? So I was undrafted. Oh, you were undrafted. Yeah, the whole all seven rounds went by, and then I was undrafted and ended up signing with uh, Philadelphia for four years, and then I ended up going to Chicago for two, and then played in Indy for one. Nice. And then um, something that I'm sure, man, you probably run through your head on a weekly basis uh, is that is that Super Bowl performance, and um, you got to be a part of one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history um, with that trick play. Um, for those, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably throw, throw the clip on there for the podcast for, for the students that might not remember what that looked like. But, um, before we jump into even some more of the deeper content, I mean, tell us about that play. And they're going to snap it and it's Trey Burton who throws caught, falls, touchdown. This play call has a chance to be remembered as one of the all time greats just going for it. Yeah, it was something that, uh, so in this, when you when you play in the Super Bowl, I guess I guess I'll start with the playoffs. When you play in the playoffs, the first round of the playoffs, the number one seed gets a bye week. So we were the number one seed. Might be number one and number two, but uh, back then it was number one gets a bye week, and then you got to go, you know, uh, conference, and then you go go to divisional, and then you go to the Super Bowl. So you got to win a couple games to get to the Super Bowl. And so during our bye week, our coaches from the offensive side of the ball got together and um, said, "Hey, I want every single coach to pull a trick play." that you like and send it to the offense coordinator and the wow. offense coordinator will sort through it and pick out which ones he ends up liking. And so at the time, um, I, I want to say, so he's now the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville. His name's Press Taylor, but I think he was like um, quality control GA quarterbacks coach. So he had, really had no say in any like the on the field performance stuff, but he was yeah. going through film on some trick plays and found one, uh, which ended up being the one that we called. And so we put it in early on in the playoffs and I'm thinking, you know, I know that I'm a, a big part of the play and I know that he can call it in this situation. You know, I had to be inside the five yard line on the left hash and, you know, I have this personnel in there. So I knew all this stuff. So every week going into the game, I'm sitting there when we're in the red zone, like sitting right next to coach, like, Hey, go ahead and just call this thing. Let's get this thing running. You know, let's roll. And yeah. uh, every like, no, we're going to save it. We're going to save it. We're going to save it. Uh, so that third game, which was a Super Bowl. I had no clue. Like I wasn't even paying attention. It must've been like, I, I like the fire weeks I'm sitting there like, Hey, let's do this. You know, but this, the Super Bowl, I must've just losing my mind, you know, cause of the stage. And I just yep. remember like my coach, like looking at me, my tight end coach, like looking at me, like with wide eyes and he's like, all right, you're in. And so, yeah, we ended up you know making it work and uh, it was a lot of fun, especially that we won. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Um, so obviously you're, you make, and God has gifted you. God has gifted you with athleticism. Um, and I think that's phenomenal. And I really think when you, when you, when we look at like God's giftings, like God has, I believe, gifted everybody with, um, specific and unique skills, um, and, and gifts to really for, for their good, but also more importantly for God's glory to, to give it back to God and say, God, what you have given me, I'm going to, um, give back to you and, and glorify your name with what you've given me. Um, but it's also on us to 
to grow that gift, to invest into that gift, to, to not just let that gift sit, but also use and then grow that gift. Um, man, what does that look like for, for you with your, with your gift of athleticism, with your, your gift, your calling to even play football? Um, what did that look like? What type of hard work did it take to even get to the level that you got to? Uh, and you're, you're talking about football or you're talking about the gifts? Um, I'm talking about football. Talking about football. Yeah, man. So, I mean, one of the things that I, I, I got parents and, you know, kids telling me all the time that I want to play in college or I want to play in high school or, you know, some guys saying I want to play in the NFL. And yeah. it's like you can you can tell the same people the same exact thing I'm about to say right now in the sense of like there everybody works out, you know, especially, you know, high school football. Everybody has summer workouts right now. The intensity of the high, of the summer workouts in high school might differ. Same thing with college. You know, you have some workouts. Florida is going to have a different intensity than like central Michigan or like a smaller division one school. Right. They're still division one, but they're both, both still doing summer workouts. But the thing that like puts people and sets teams apart aren't the summer workouts because everybody does them. Not, and like I said, it doesn't matter the intensity. What sets everybody apart is like, what extra are you doing on top of the summer workout stuff? And so like I ask people all the time, okay, yeah, you're working out, you know, an hour and a half and you're running sprints and lifting weights, but the guy that's going to play the position or you're going to fight for that position is probably doing the same thing, you know? And like I said, the intensity might not be the same or the, the resources might not be the same, but he's doing the same thing. What else are we doing, you know, to put ourselves or give ourselves the edge? Um, and so I've always had that mindset and I've always been like, I wasn't highly recruited or highly rated um, in high school. I committed to Florida super early. So that kind of affected my rating system. I didn't do the camps that you need to do to get ratings and that type of stuff. But uh, I wasn't, you know, highly sought after in the draft or else I would have got drafted. You know, I wasn't highly recruited. Um, like I said, with that. So that was always like my underdog mindset is like, what can, how can I be doing more? What can I be doing more? You know, I was a big, like I may, I forced my coaches to come in in high school on Saturday morning. And yeah. just open up the gym. You don't got to be there, bro. Like, I'm going to do my own stuff. Just yep. open the gym up so I can have the chance to, you know, do this stuff. I would always be the last one on the field, throwing extra routes with the guys, making sure our timing's on point, working on my arm strength, working on accuracy. Like, those yeah. things, And it, it, those things are, are they, they pass the test of time. You know, guys before me did that. Guys after me will do that. But one thing's consistent is guys that do that have a better chance at, you know, making it to the next level, in my opinion. No, absolutely. And I love that you share that because I think there's so many, um, whether it's athletic gifts, speaking gifts, um, whatever it is, like art, like gifts of art, whatever it is. I mean, people have have been gifted by God with something. And I always ask the question, are you are you using your gift or are you abusing your gift? Um, cause, cause so many people abuse their gift in the sense of like, the only time they pick it up is when they, they have to, um, but the people that are using their gift and investing into their gift, those are the people that are going to, going to do something great. Like God's got a great plan for you, but it's on you to be obedient and faithful and, and, and use and grow what God has given you. Um, um and bro, you know, it's so funny, like, not, I don't mean to interrupt you, but like, no, no, it's funny good. for me cause I have kids, I have three younger kids now. And like, yeah. if someone for the kids that are listening, if someone is speaking a gift or speaking it into you or telling you, you have this gift, like, bro, that you have it, you know? And like, let's, let's explore that. You know, like I know for my kids, I tell my, my daughter can sing. I'm like, babe, just go sing, you know, go, go spend the time, go to this class or go do this. And she doesn't want to do it. And I'm like, you are so talented. Like, I'm not going to sit here and let you just waste this, you know, gift. Like you, there's a purpose, there's a reason why you have this, like, so I'm, so I'm speaking to all the kids out there and then I know it might be annoying that your mom or dad might say this and you're like, no, 
you know, Johnny, you're so good at this. Well, and Johnny doesn't want to do that. Well, like, listen, you're, you're, you're speaking this gift, you know, into you and like you have it, they see it in you. Like, let's work on it. No, I think that's great. Um, Hey, so we are uh, jumping into the series in October called counterculture. And um, the heart of the series is, man, how do you live in the world, but not be of the world? Um, Because, you know, we're all called to, you know, be where God has called us to be, whether it's our school, uh, whether it's our sports team, whatever it is, like God's placed us in a position for a reason. Um, But he also has called us to a higher standard and not to basically fall into temptation. Um, You at a a high level when it comes to college and the temptation that comes with college or even um, when it comes to the professional level, what does that look like for you in the sense of like, man, how are you in these environments um, and how did you basically stand strong the times that you uh, did choose to stand strong for, for God? Yeah, man, that's a great question. And I love how you preface it in the sense of like, everybody has their own unique way, you know, in doing it. It's like my way might not work for other ways and or other people and um, other people might have better ways than I have. Like, that's just, the you know, facts of it. But like, I think one of the ways, especially when we were rolling um, and the spirit was freaking rolling in Philadelphia, like it was on fire, especially in our locker room and, then, you know, obviously outside as well. Uh, the number one way that, the spirit was able to work was because we were all so close and we were all so accountable to each other. Um, and so like, if anything did happen, um, there was, there'd be a guy reach out and like, it wasn't, it's now on me. So say you and I are having a conversation you call me, say you're struggling with something. Now it's on me, you know, to help you. Like I have to take whole heart in that. Like, Oh no, it's not Nate's problem. And you know, forget about him. Like, like we took such serious accountability and we, we love each other so much that like we knew if someone was reaching out about something, that like it was legit and true and so that was one of the ways uh we were able to stay on track also like for me it was always great to have someone i could walk with and know that was on my team someone i could open up to and like if i needed to go have dinner like he dropped everything he would do and we'd have dinner you know so we like took it real serious i know like it's easy to say like accountability partner and this and that but like it was kind of like life and death you know for us a lot of times um in those in those areas and also like I'm a big, like, I love the book of James. I call it the book of flames. I know the book of revelations is technically, I guess, called the book of flames, but I love just the heat that comes out of James, you know? Yeah. And um, it's just like super straightforward and blunt, which is exactly how I am. And it talks yeah. about like temptation in the first book of James. And it's not God tempting us. It's our own earthly and fleshly desires. And whenever we act on those and it becomes sin. And so like knowing what your temptations are, you know, uh, is really big and knowing that like it's not God tempting me it's actually Satan no matter how it's wrapped in the bow um, yeah. and I to try to flee that and try to just make sure you're you know aware of what those situations are or what those things may be and not yeah. go down that path no I think that's so good because you really you talked about two different things you talk about accountability um, and it's great to have because at the end of the day you're surrounded you're surrounded by people that might not have the same values as you and might not want the same things, but you're also around people that did want the same things for you. And so you were able to easily decipher who's who. And it's not that you cut your life away from those that, that are, have different values because at the end of the day, you are called to be an influence to them as well. But when it comes down to it, it's so much easier to follow after what God has for us. Man, when we're when we're spending time with people that 
man, have the, have the okay to call us out. Right. Cause I think that's such a big thing is like, man, I, I hear it all the time. Pastor Nate, like, uh, you know, I'm surrounded by my teammates and my teammates are just talking about this and saying this and doing this. Well, there's a really good chance that the way that you feel right now of like you feeling uncomfortable, but you feel like you have to give into those things because everybody else is, there's a good chance somebody else is feeling the same exact way that, no that you are. And so when you decide to take a stand and say, Hey guys, that's just not who I am. There's going to be somebody that's going to follow and say, yeah, you know what? You're, you're right. I'm, I'm not like that either. Um, and so I think that's such a great encouragement from a professional level. You saw it, but even in the high school level, it's like, it's the same way. It's like the, the professional locker room, the, the, the high school locker room. It's like, there's guys that, yes, they want, they want the fame. They want the glory. They want the money. They want the girls. They want all of that. But there's also those people that's like, man, they know that God has a calling on their life and they want to follow after it. It's it, it's it's standing bold and showing somebody what that looks like so that they also have the courage to do so and come alongside you and to find that accountability. And then the other thing that you talked about, man, um, when when it comes to uh, knowing truth, I think that's what it comes down to is like you you knew the book of James, you knew you you knew your Bible. And so to be able to have a firm foundation to stand on um, is so great to go back to, because at the end of the day, you can call out what a lie is from the enemy. You can call out what temptation is because you know what God has for you and what God says and what what he what he calls you to do. And so I think there's such a, a wisdom in knowing like, man, I, I need to open up the book of life. I need to know what this says so that because God's trying to um, not keep me from having fun, but God's trying to give me a hope and a future because he knows what's going to hurt me and he knows what's going to help me. And so if I know what his word says, I'm going to build my life on it because his plan is so much greater than what the world is trying to tempt me with. Yeah, no question, so, man. You hit it on the head. Yeah, so I do. I, I think that's I think that's great. Um, so I do want to jump into this because Man, life, um, life sometimes sucks. Like that's just the way, that's just the way that it is. Uh, sometimes it doesn't go the way that we want it to go. Sometimes it's, it's difficult. Sometimes things happen. And I know through, um, your career, there's been some just ups and downs, um, some injuries that you've been through, um, some things that might not have just gone your way, man. How do you keep your head up during those seasons? Well, I mean, shoot, now it's easy. Well, not it's never easy. Let me take that back. It's a lot yeah. easier now because of all what I what I have gone through. You know what I mean? Like from upbringing, no, no dad, all the stuff I dealt with then, and then you know the coaching changes in Florida were big for me. Like it really hurt you know me as an athlete, and then going on and getting hurt physically in, in the NFL, and you know those type of things. Like that's kind of how yeah. my you know career ended. So uh, going, but the cool thing about all of those things is like those like shaped me into who I am today. Like it sucks during the time, but it was kind of like a purifying deal that like, you know, maybe I was putting too much emphasis in the football and I was football was becoming an idol, you know, and it's amazing to see like God be able to take it away like that and kind of like refocus and reshape my thoughts. I'll never forget one of my first times um, getting injured in the NFL and like, like I said, I wasn't a drafted guy. So if you're not drafted, you're very easily disposable. You know, like they don't have any much money tied into you. So like they can get rid of you at, at a whim if they want to, and they could, you know, bring somebody else in the next day. And so like, I was so, uh, one of the time, first times I got injured in Philly, I was so, I was freaking out, man. Like, cause I'm like, man, they're going to keep me. Like, am I going to, am I going to be gone? Like, I'm going to have to go to a different team. I had two or three, two kids at the, at the time, like moving, all that stuff sucks. You know, there's nothing fun about that. And, um, I remember my wife like looking me dead in the eyes because I'm, you know, spouting off at her like all the negative things that could happen. And she like looks at me in my eyes and she said, what if we're not just here for football? Wow. And I was like, shoot. <laughs> and, like kind of brought me back to earth, you know, like brought me back to like a, a good perspective on the way things are. So like 
yeah, those times suck. But going through those times, I have learned so much about myself, um, good and bad, you know, honestly, a lot more probably bad than actual good. And, um, but it really helped me to remember that, like, maybe I'm not, maybe this situation isn't necessarily about me. You know, it's about somebody that I'm able to come in contact with. Maybe I'm in the training room with a guy who's a non-believer for a couple of weeks because I can't be on the field. He can't be on the field. And this is the only time he's ever going to hear about the Lord. You know, like, am I cool with that? You gotta be, you know, like, so instead of like looking negatively and thinking about all the bad things that could possibly happen, which I mean, those bad things happen often and they suck, you know, but down the line, and years from then, the situation, like I've learned a lot uh, and there's been some really positive things come out of those you know, situations. Yeah, that's awesome because um, it's, the, it's the change of perspective, right? It's the understanding that, yeah, God, God's plan is so much bigger than what we can imagine. And so um, uh, I think there's times where God tries to teach us something in the quiet uh, before um, he allows us to go through something that um, we see as a, a, a trial or a, a tough time. Um, but I think during those trials, during those tough times, um, that's when I mean, God teaches us a lot and, and use the word refining. And I think that's exactly what it is. He's refining to, to, to create a, a stronger follower of Christ, uh, probably a stronger husband, a stronger father. Um, man, I think through the, the trials, the tribulations, the, the hard times, uh, man, God just does so much in our lives. I mean, that's for my life as well. It's like, I remember 2020, my, my grandfather passed away from a car accident. And it, this, those are one of those times where you're like, God, I don't get it. I just don't, I just don't get it. And, um, you know, a few months later because of COVID, it, it pushed the, um, funeral back. Um, but a few months later I was able to actually, uh, officiate his, um, uh, a funeral. I was able to, 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 to perform his funeral and, um, did a gospel presentation at the end. And, um, my cousin, my, my grandpa's, uh, grandson, um, uh, gave his life to Christ at my grandfather's funeral. And I know my grandfather and I know it because he said it before is like, I, he would give his life for his grandsons to know Jesus. And it's like, well, that's exactly what happened. And so I think understanding zooming back and thinking, yeah, you know what? There's no, there's no other way of putting it right now. It sucks. Like right now where I'm at, it, it really does. But I know the God that I serve and I know that he can take bad situations and turn it for good. Um, and I believe that's what he's going to do with this situation. Um, hey man, as, uh, as we, as we close this out, uh, the last thing I want to do is I just want to give you an opportunity, like, man, what advice would you give, um, maybe yourself when you were a teenager or, um, somebody who's listening to this, watching this, um, what, what advice would you give? Oh man. Um, one of the things that, you know, always stood with me and this is, I mean, try to try to track with me here. So growing up in a fatherless home, uh, my grandmother gave my grandmother gave me a book, um, that was basically like a fatherless journey. And I don't ever, I don't remember what the book said except for the last page. And it gave the statistics on, um, the odds for a fatherless child to be successful or to fail the amount of people in jail who are, you know, grew up in a fatherless home, amount of people who are addicts, you know, the bad things, you know, and the good things and the odds of good happening over bad, which obviously were very, very slim. And the last line in the book was said, don't just be another statistic, no mm -hmm. matter what. And like, mm -hmm. I'll never forget that. Like I'd never wanted to be just another statistic. So like, um, regardless of your upbringing, regardless of what happens at home, like good or bad, I mean, cause it could be the opposite way. Like everything could be great. You know, you could live in a great home with great parents and end up screwing up later on down, down the road, you know, but the odds are smaller or slimmer on that, but there's still odds, you know? 
And so like, sure. don't be another statistic, no matter what situation you're in. And then I'll, I'll, the other thing I'll never forget, uh, another thing in high school, our uh, head volleyball coach is probably one of the best high school volleyball coaches in the state of Florida. And his, in the history of the state of Florida, like he's an unbelievable dude, great Christian man. But I'm, I'll never forget him pulling me aside probably like my sophomore junior year when I started to get some recognition and some popularity just because of playing ball. And he would always say like, he'd pull me aside in the morning. He said like, don't waste your talent and mm. make it and let it just be talent. Like, what are you going to do for the kingdom of God? And at the time I, I had no clue. I was like, bro, I, I don't know. Like I, I was, you know, following the Lord, but I wasn't, you know, all in, like I, I told you in the testimony and like, yeah. Uh, looking back at that, like I wasted such an opportunity and so many opportunities, you know, to speak life into people um, and to, you know, hypothetically bring people to the Lord, you know, through that by doing things I wanted to do that had no gospel um, purpose, you know, just yeah. being a kid. Like the, it's so easy to get caught up in just being a kid, you know, at, at, those, at those ages. So um, I guess I don't know if those any either one of those makes sense, but kind of for me, like that's kind of. I don't be a yep. statistic and then don't just waste my talent as a talent, you know? No, I think it's great. I mean, statistics, like they tell, they tell a part of the story, but yeah, it's like, you still get to decide, you know, the, your, your outcome. You still, get you don't to have to go down those roads. You don't have to be, you don't have to go to jail if you're a fatherless son or a daughter. Like you don't have to do that. You don't have to be yeah. drugs, you know? So don't just do those and be those statistics because you can. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think, I think, and then I think the other thing is like, yeah, it's like, listen, like when you're a kid, when you're a teen, like there are things that like, yeah, you want to, you want to have fun, but there's also something like, man, God has a greater purpose for your life and he has something for you right here, right now. Um, so it's like, man, have, have fun, but it doesn't have to be what this world calls fun. Like God's got a life that is, um, not just, not just uh, fun, but it's also fulfilling. And uh, yeah. so, so to chase after what God has for you and find true satisfaction and his love for you, I think it's greater than um, anything else that we can find with what this world is offering. Yeah, I agree. So cool, man. Well, thank you so much again. Um, I, I, I want to be, um, uh, I want to, I want to end this uh, so that, so that you can get back to your family and all the stuff that you have to do. I could talk literally for hours. Um, you can, you can ask my wife, you can ask the, the teenagers in my student ministry. They know I could talk and talk and talk. Uh, but seriously, thank you so much for taking this time. Yeah, brother. Anytime. Sorry. My wife's dog. Going crazy. Apologize. Anytime, man. Anytime you need anything, give me a shout. You're good. Yep. For sure. See you, Trey.